Welcome to Service Headline News. I am Marty Smith. I'm Jake Wall. And I'm joined by Eric Perrot and Jake Wall. And we're here to bring you the latest headlines and updates pertinent to all servicemen and women. So sit back, get informed, and have a laugh as the Swearing and Podcast presents Service Headline News. Followed by 20 minutes of band practice. (laughs) Also known as Marty's theme song. The band's going to make it. I'm telling you, the band's (laughs) going to make it. Today we have a special guest, gentlemen. We have Senior Master Sergeant Retired Scott Westfall to help us get through all these headlines. Scott, welcome back. Hey, guys. What's going on, Scott? Good to hear from you. It's my elevator speech. Hey, Hey, everybody. Glad to know you're still alive. <laughs> and you're all registered to vote. Registered to vote, paying taxes. All right, Avoiding gentlemen. that last one. Well, yeah, shit. All right, before we get started, gentlemen, I had a little sad news. Uh man I interviewed back in December of 2021, Staff Sergeant retired John Anderson passed away yesterday at 92. So I've reposted his interview out there. Uh, if you haven't heard it, go listen to it. I cut it down a little bit just to contain his military stuff. But he did 40 years uh, because he retired. He retired as a staff sergeant. So that tells you something about what the military was back in the 40s and 50s, right? Yeah. Um, but then he went into – he was a post office guy for – Inglewood, I think he was a postmaster. So he did 20 years there. So he did 40 years of federal service. Uh, so good on him. Uh, interviews good. He's an entertaining dude. He joined the army in 47, crossed over to the air force in 48. Just, you know, it, and one of the things that always strikes me from those guys who were talking from 40s, 50s, 60s is that they had a, they had a certain assignment that they were assigned to, but then somebody was just like, Oh, I want you to be a clerk. And I'm like, okay. And so I did that for the next three years. And like, wow, you know, just moving people around and dropping orders. And there was kind of none of that. You know, there wasn't, didn't seem to be a lot of accountability. It's like, oh, this colonel wants me to work here. I guess I'm I'm going to be here for the next three years. So we'll definitely give a story a listen. Yeah, he's, he's interesting. He's an interesting guy. Stayed active all the time. I think played golf up until a couple of years ago. So. Nice. And, you know, it's hard when you come across a guy like, you know, who's who's in his 90s is when I first met him. And, you know, you kind of see him and you got to remember, yeah, he was probably 6'1", you know, in his youth. He's a big dude. Wow. Uh, Not at, you know, not when I met him, but you can see the youth in him. And then when you hear about him playing softball and basketball and boxing, and you're like, oh, yeah, these guys were active as shit back then. So. Good interview. Uh, John Anderson, you'll be missed. So, R.I.P. Take it away, Eric. All right, guys. Well, in military history and today, I, I had a number of things that didn't quite fit the bill. So I reduced it down to one. And it's something close to all of us who have retired recently. And it was in January 12th of 1991. Congress votes to send troops to expel the Iraq, expel Iraq from Kuwait. And off begins the big operation. What was the name of our operation? Well, it was Desert, Desert Shield, and then it was Desert Storm. 
Desert Shield. You are correct. And it's funny because it started out back in the day, if you guys recall, the United States had actually backed Saddam Hussein in their war with Iran. Right. So it goes to the old adage of my friend who's my enemy is my friend again. Uh, but by the yeah, time he was the not war, our friend again. <laughs> no, and he did not. That's true. That's correct. But you know what I was saying. Yeah, he was yeah, yeah. Now he's not. We backed him until 1988 when the war with Iran ended. And then they went and got stupid, invaded Kuwait. And uh, that's when we said, no, that's not going to happen. So off we went and Desert Shield kicked in. So a big day for all of us back then, because I don't think many of us had been in any type of uh, live combat environment until then. Well, no. Uh, and I, I still never went. I remember because we were like one of the lowest divisions in the United States being down at Fort Polk with the 5th Infantry Division. So right. while everybody and their dog went over there, it was us and one other division that did not go over there. And we're like, we're ready. You know, we're we're going to be follow on. We're we're getting all that. We, I remember being in the club when the air war kicked off. I was yep. like, yes, yes. And we painted the vehicles, you know. And I remember I had a code with my dad. I was like, if I tell you this on the phone, I'm going. Right. Um, <laughs> and so we're all ready. And they're like, oh, first strike. Look at that. You know, when the MLRS kicked off and yep. uh, all that. And I was like, God damn, this is going to be it. This is exciting. I can't wait to go. And then, what, four days later it was over. <laughs> God damn it. Which, which service mobilized the most troops? Percentage-wise or just number-wise? Number-wise. Well, I had, had to be the Army, right? It was yeah. the Army. A lot of people mistakenly thought it was the Marines, but it was the Army. The Army oh, yeah. mobilized the most troops. Um, yeah. When when we went over there to do Southern Watch in 98, we went downtown. Well, first of all, we had to walk still. And there was piles of burnt AK-47s between all the hangars. And oh, then really? We went, yeah, we went downtown. Um, and uh, an older gentleman, an older Kuwaiti, was really excited about showing us one of the old buildings that they, they had like a, it's basically kind of like an Alamos tile situation. And he was showing us the bullet holes and showing us what was going on. And he was pointing to where he was at. And, oh, he, yeah. and he was just like super thankful still. I mean, it wasn't that far off, but, but yeah. yeah, that guy, I still remember that guy and he was just, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. That's cool. And then, and then he invited us over for dinner, and we were like, "Yeah, we can't do that. Sorry, man." No, but, <laughs> but yeah, appreciate I, it. I can't remember where they had it set up, but they had a, a museum to that thing where they brought a lot of stuff back. You know, Iraqi uniforms and weapons, and and they kind of built bunkers and stuff. And I I think one of the, one of the things I heard from people who were over there is how kind of small the Iraqis were. You know, small stature. Yeah. And you're like, whoa, geez, these guys are severely undernourished or were overnourished, probably both. So, yeah, it shows up in their jumping jacks. (laughs) (laughs) I love that video. video. 
<laughs> why Iraq is taking so long. That is the best video. Oh, man. Uh, 17 January is when Desert Storm kicked off. So yeah. Desert, Desert Shield came to an end in 17 January is when they went. So I worked with a guy that was in a was in an aircraft, the first aircraft that flew in there. He's an F-15 driver, works with me upstairs. Wow. So we we tell stories. We've talked about this before. You know, we tell stories. Oh, yeah, I did some stupid weeb shit that I do. And then, you know, someone else will say, oh, I drove a tank. And someone else, you know, I was in a helicopter. And then, you know, the other guy comes in and sits down. He's like, yeah. So one time I was inverted in my F-15 <laughs> over a rack. And we're like, okay. But just shuts up. You win this you win. round. Like everybody's telling stories and he walks in. Oh, well, party's over. When we were like the doing, one guy. Uh, Desert Fox, like we would just watch the news every night before yeah, we went right, into work right. to see what yeah. targets were nominated. Oh, really? And we would figure out what we were going to load. Oh, yeah. That's a yeah. Wow. And we're like, yeah. This is what's going on. I bet you we're going to load Mabs. That's all that A10 inside humor. So I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, it's sorry. Different munitions. Like, so we were going to load TV guided bombs or dummy bombs or anything like that. We literally, I mean, Clinton loved bombing the crap out of people, right? Yeah, he was good at that. Yeah. So when Desert Operation Desert Fox kicked off and Clinton bombed Southern Iraq, we would get. Literally, we would watch CNN, and they would announce what targets we were we were planning on going after. Oh, wow, that's crazy! And so we would, before we go in for a mid shift or night shift, we'd be like, "Oh, if we're going after those, we're going to have to load a bunch of these bombs." You were talking about the AGM sixty five Maverick. Yeah, the maps. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Very nice. Sorry, trying to help. Good call AGM 65. <laughs> I collect them. <laughs> we couldn't go. Uh, basically, one of the reasons they told us that we weren't going to deploy because our roundout brigade, three brigades had to go. Our roundout brigade was a National Guard brigade. So we had to train those guys. And they were all guardsmen, artillery guardsmen from like Shreveport and across Louisiana. And they did not want to be activated. They did not oh, want to go, man. right? And that the, the one of the the classic lines, and we we said it for years. Though those who were with us, we were in some briefing, and uh, the lieutenant was briefing some colonel, some active duty colonel. We were trying to train them, and the lieutenant got all frustrated because he didn't. None of them wanted to be there. They truly did not want to be there. And he was like, "Hey, sir, the only thing I want to fight." Is Monday morning traffic, and we, that that <laughs> phrase lived in infamy with us forever. And because we're standing there, active duty guys like you don't talk to a colonel that way. This guy did he, he'd say it to a general. He didn't care. And you're sitting there going, "We want to go." Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> so that's my that's my war story. Is like, oh, we were here with these knuckleheads from the National Guard that didn't want to go. So. Hmm. Anyway, speaking of history, uh, on a side note, I watched the movie Devotion. Have you heard about Ooh. that? The Korean pilot. Yeah, the one that, yeah. Have you seen it? 
No, I haven't seen it. I saw reviews for it. I saw reviews for it too. 92%. I was like, oh, this is going to be great. And they were using the black pilot, correct? Yeah, he's the first black pilot in Navy history. Nice. Okay. So I was like, oh, this is all set up perfect. And they were doing the real flying with some restored Corsairs. It's beautiful. Movie was slow as shit. And it was just like, come on, man, you guys can't. And it just it just dogged along and there was no character development. There was did they focus on the racism and that type of thing? No, actually they didn't. There there were parts of it, and they did a very good job at that. Um where there's little bits and pieces where he explains, you know, hey, they they made me do the swim test like 10 times. They put rocks in my uh you know, my flight suit, they held me under the water, and every time I came out of the water, I was like, eee shit. Wow. That sucks. You know, but but it wasn't prolonged. You know, yeah. So and that was good. It was very good how they presented it. Um, it was a there was a guy in that movie uh, that had a lot of flight training, aircraft flight training, and might have helped him get the part. And I haven't looked into this too deep, but he played Hangman in Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, Glenn Powell, I think is his name. He 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 played a good he played a good role, but it was yeah. just I think it was a director because there was a lot of like long unnecessary pauses, and I was like, "Come on, guys, say something! Come on, just well, Joe Jonas." You know, kind of like uh, uh, a lot of the Pacific movies, Pacific War movies have not come across very good. Because what was the what was the series they came out with after Private Riot or not not Private Riot, uh, Band of Brothers? They came out with the Pacific series. It was called. The yeah, Pacific. that was. It was called the Pacific. Yeah, and it just was like, ah, this is. It's not. I don't know if if it's Band of Brothers was so good that you couldn't help comparing it to that. But it just well, wasn't as good. I didn't. The, think. All those units died. Well, true. Like, there was no unit. There was no through line where <laughs> yeah, you start on point. day one of the war and go all the way through. No, here you start on island one. Everybody Maybe, dies. Yeah. Next island. But everybody even, dies. But even like wind talkers wasn't very good. Well, that was uh, what was the one uh, about the the preacher's kid or the preacher or the um, oh, you're talking the conscientious objector. Conscientious objector, yeah. Axel Ridge, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah. that seemed like it could have been done better. Uh, oh, I, I like that one though. That I, it's a good crazy. movie, but it just it was like, yeah, you know, you couldn't. I mean, done... It was no act of valor. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a gold standard, baby. Don't talk during act of valor. He's watching you. Yeah. He's watching you through the video. Speaking authoritatively. <laughs> Jake, you got some. Okay, it looks like uh, all our stories are going to be all Air Force. So whoever's listening, uh, hang in there because we're going to praise them and then we're going to make fun of them. So uh, you got some tech news for us, Jake? Yeah. So once again, the the Air Force is trying to find new ways of using their current equipment right we've we've gone over the c-130s and all that delivering the stuff to the missiles, war zone yeah. yeah we we talked about um the bombers taking their own equipment over to oh yeah zones, the b-52s get... as trash haulers yep now we got my beloved a-10 basically being repurposed um because it's always low and slow 
they're repurposing it to drop molds, again, decoys, into certain combat areas. So it can hold up to 16 of these things in per one plane. go. Yeah, per plane. Jesus. Um, and deliver it to the region and then readily survive and protect itself somewhat um, and and get out of the area. So in anticipation of future wars, they're trying to repurpose what we have again. So it was kind of cool. Um, it was a big, long interview uh, from one of the pilots from the 75th Fighter Squadron at Moody, which Moody had A-10s. They moved them to Isleson, Alaska, which is where I was, and they, we worked on them. And then they shut down the A-10s in Alaska and moved them back to Moody. Oh, shit. <laughs> so... How yeah. fast is, is the A-10, uh, it's a really dumb question, but I don't know. Is the A-10 quicker than a C-130 equivalent speed? Uh, it's probably cut. barely. Yeah, okay. I, I wasn't sure. I mean, so, it's probably more nimble. Yeah. Right, but not, I don't think it's any faster. Speed-wise. Yeah, speed-wise. I mean, it's only got two turboprops. Okay. So the the mold is a miniature air launched decoy. Yep, it's the decoys again that we were talking about a couple of podcasts ago, where they can fly them basically, and they emit radar signatures and comm signatures and everything just just like an actual aircraft. So you can launch like four or five of them and fly them in formation, as so if you have an incoming group of aircraft. So how many A-10s is in a squadron? It it depends. Um, there There's a bunch of A-10s. There's, what's, a, what's, there's a, what's a flight of A-10s? What's a flight mean? Four? Well, once again, they, they always fly in pairs, just like every other okay. fighter aircraft or that. They always fly in pairs. So you always have your, you know, your wingman. Yeah. But um, we had like 18 or 20 up there at Ileson. So Jesus. if so, you're going to take off. But they're they're constantly talking about getting rid of the A-10. Right. They've been doing and that then, for years, right? Yeah. And then everybody on the ground is like, please do not get rid of the A-10. Right? Weren't they Arm, talking about Army, get, Marine. Yeah. They love it because it's they great about close Getting rid of the A-10 before Desert Storm happened? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then the A-10s laid out the highway of death and everybody's like, oh, yeah, we should probably keep those around. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then there's that famous one, um, the female pilot that came back and she was missing an engine, the opposite side, like a quarter of the wing, um, one of the tails, like she was just, the plane was trashed and she flew it back. God damn. Good honor. Yeah, it was uh, pretty cool. Uh, 320 max, 290 crews for the C-130, 380 max, 300 crews for the A-10. Well, not much more. Nah, pretty close. So they'll, they'll send these A-10s up. Say you send four, all right? And they can carry, how many did you say a, a piece? 16. 16. So 
they can launch 64 drones to like flood the radar. Is that basically what it is? To yep. cover to yeah. cover for the bombers or something like that? Cover for bombers or incoming like fifth gen aircraft or whatever. Holy shit. Or they can do it as a feint, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Oh yeah, launch them in one spot and uh make yeah. all the attention turn over there. Yeah. Yep. That's yeah, pretty creative. Hey so, Marty. In yes. in a, in Desert Storm though, they they there's a news article that they destroyed over 23 tanks in one Jesus. day. Jesus. And the crazy part is like, so we were loading, there's multiple different rounds you can in load in that, um, that Gao eight, the, the gun. Yeah. And we were loading depleted uranium ones. Right. So right. the messed up part when you're a tank person about that is that it doesn't mushroom. Like when the round hits, it doesn't mushroom out. It peels oh, it outside layers off. Oh, so shit. it gets sharper. Oh, really? Yeah, and it's Not disturbing because it because it goes through at such velocity that it creates a vacuum. Oh, yeah, in, yeah within yeah. the cavity of the tank. Yeah. So, it'll do a through and through on on tanks depending on what it, what it hits. God bless. Why aren't we sending those to Ukraine? Yeah, right. Yeah. You're sending Bradleys. They're like, great. We don't, send- we don't want Russia to actually do an air attack. Yeah, that's true. As soon as those guys would go up, they'd be like, call in the 31s. Yeah. They're like, oh, okay, that's it. <laughs> you win. Hey, guys, just FYI, squadron, 12 to 24 aircraft. Divided into three flights, three to four airplanes. Okay. All right. Um, one last thing on that. When you were loading uh, for that gal. Yeah. Did, was there anything that you had to, do you have to wear special equipment or anything? I know that's a dumb, naive question. But. No, no. Just the air protection and gloves, you know. <laughs> that's, thinking back at it, we're literally straddling. Those depleted uranium. Yeah, because they're so heavy. They're in one long conveyor belt chain. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so we would tie it to what we called a dragon. And it was a machine or piece of equipment that took the rounds from from the ammo cans in and then moved it to the planes. Right. And so we would tie them, tie the chain in there. And then it would load up and we'd standard load 1150. Um, and then we would put on a round limiter depending on what the mission was. Yeah. So every trigger pull was 50 rounds, a hundred rounds, God, whatever. And so the ground crew would limp do that, or you could flick it up and say no limit. Oh, so you did, you no. did the limit controls in the chain of ammo itself. Uh, underneath it's up by the gun. So there was like an old school counter. Like, you know how those ones where you're at the fair or something and you just push the button, you're like, click one, click yeah. two, yeah. and it rotates and it's like a black background and it's white numbers. Right. Right. It's literally that there's nothing digital. There's nothing, anything special about it. You either turn it on no limit 
or you rotate the dial to say a hundred rounds. Oh, and then man. every time it would go, it would cycle a hundred rounds and then back up a couple rounds. Oh, so it wasn't necessarily so clear the, the chamber. It wasn't necessarily on the pilot's trigger control. It was already predetermined. Yep. Yeah, it was predetermined. Just, I mean, like everything, all the fusing, everything like that was already predetermined on the ground. Was there a uh, was there a time standard? Uh, like if if they were, what is it called when they they land? You got to reload them and they got to go again. Is there a term? For we that? did do that sometimes. It was called hot pits, where hot we would pits. we would have like one side the plane would come in, turn off, we would reload depending on what kind of munitions, but we would load the gun and load the load up the any kind of bombs or anything. And then it would rotate around and get fuel and then it would take back off. Did you have a time standard for your reload? Yeah. Yeah. Like everything, right? Okay, we had so monthly qualifications. We had oh, did you time really? standards for that. Yeah. It was really like have, literally go. And then <laughs> like, yeah, you had you had a time standard for okay, this is the load we're going to put on this plane. You have a time standard for loading this munition. You have a time standard for loading this type of munition. Oh yeah, okay. And every month, we would do okay cluster bomb units and the gun. Okay, next month is a a triple ejector rack with five hundred pound bombs. Oh, next shit. month is is the Mavs. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, sorry, AGM 65 Mavericks. Thank you. Thank you for the clarification. Yeah, yeah. Those ones were annoying because you had to slide them onto a rail. So oh, everything so else just lifted up and clicked in. Yeah. The Mavs actually lifted up. You had to angle it so that you slid it onto a rail. That sounds erotic. Yeah, it's nice. Did, you have to uh, LGB's uh, payways. Any of the laser guided? No, A10 didn't have laser guided capability when I was there. And mm. it's so slow that we did test it once in the desert where an F16 lazed for the A10 and an A10 yep. dropped it. Because the only difference is the actual like guidance package. The 500-pound bombs are 500-pound bombs. Like, you could load it yeah. dummy where it just falls, or you put a guidance package on it and a wing package, fairing package, and that is what made it laser-guided kind of thing. Oh, the other way around, the A-10s lased for uh, F-16s more often? No, they never. They, I don't think the A-10 had capability to laze back then. What? Do, well, not back then, no. Nowadays, it has, you know, warp drive for all I know. Yeah, for all I know. Scott, when they get that ever... sweet crop duster, it's going to be <laughs> even better. Scott, do you ever have to do a hot pits? What was your best time in the hot pits? I didn't do hot pits. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I, you know, when I was air crew, I, I was on the sweetest ride there is, you know. Uh, big 747. So, no, the closest I ever came to something like that is uh, I can't remember if it's the second or the third T at Okinawa that's right next to the Hammerhead where they do F 18 engine runs. That's the closest I ever got to anything like that. And they just ruined my backswing. That's cool. 
No, the only time I ever did anything like that was E4 landed at Okinawa and uh, my system, the big transmitter for the SATCOM unit required an engine running. There wasn't enough power in the APU for us to run it. So we would land and pull off to the side and do our comm checks. And uh, one day I got a call from the flight deck and they said, you know, hey, uh, SHF flight deck, how long does it take to do your comm checks? And I said, well, so, you know, by the book, 45 minutes. He goes, ah, oh, that's good. I said, why do you ask? He goes, well, Tower says we're shutting down the active with our jet wash. <laughs> <laughs> reached over and you ever hit the big red button? I got to hit the big red button that day. Really? Shut everything in the back end of the jet off and said, all right, we're good. <laughs> that's the closest <laughs> I ever came to like a hot pit or any sort of, you know, like wartime action. My time on the flight line. That 9-11, but we can't talk about that here. That's classified. Oh, come on. They're taking classified home to their residence. We can talk about anything we want. No, I'm, I'm saying it to the Chinese monitors sitting <laughs> here in the room. You know, on a side note, Scott, I get my brother-in-law, is a, he drives for UPS. And yeah. he still raves about your story driving through. Where were you driving when the convoy got lost? Oh, my first gig in the military was driving tractor trailers right. for one of the doomsday units. And we were driving from Omaha into Missouri somewhere. And uh, we were going down. There's two exits southbound I-29 for the 435 loop around uh, Kansas City. And we took the wrong one. And we ended up going back towards Kansas. <laughs> and going south. We're going the wrong way. So the convoy commander, my buddy Alan's driving. I'm sleeping because I'm going to do night shift. And he wakes me up. And over the radio, we hear, ah, you know, we're going to make a left turn here. We're like the sixth tractor trailer in, in this big string of trucks. And I just start clawing at the radio. Like, <laughs> I'm trying to get to the radio. <laughs> nope. I see the first two trucks turn. It's all and over that's from it. there, right? Well, he's committed. We, so... I-70 was closed. He was trying to backtrack on I-70 because <laughs> it was against our uh, SOPs to do a U-turn on an overpass. And uh, so he just took, uh, he took I-70 into downtown Kansas City and took a convoy of military, you know, top secret military trucks through downtown rush hour traffic in Kansas City in 1997. Yeah. <sighs> Great story. Yeah, that makes me laugh every time. Well, you wonder, people talk about how, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. Have you seen what's out there? <laughs> you seen? We were armed, too. Like the, the missile trucks, you know, they, you'll see if you ever go up on I-80 here by Cheyenne, uh, you know, I ride up there a lot. And Jake, I don't know if you go up there. Yeah. Uh, you'll see, you know, uh, missile trucks. They'll be taking the missile to from somewhere. And it's, you know, it's a bunch of armored Humvees, a bunch of cops, helicopters and everything. And, uh, you know, you, you get something like that up there. It's normal because you're near a missile base. But in Kansas City, at, you know, four o'clock on a Thursday afternoon and you got 25 green trucks rolling through downtown. <laughs> and, then, and none of them have no idea the turmoil of the lead vehicle going, oh, oh my God, I'm going the wrong way. No, I, the first time I ever saw a man slap a woman was when I was a truck driver <laughs> school. And Stacy Flowers was uh, was driving. She was the other person in the truck. One of us would sit in the back. The other one would drive. And this old guy, you know, I mean, he's you know, he's in his fifties. He's chain smoking in there. And civilian he's dude, just, right? Oh yeah, civilian guy. And he didn't. I mean, he he just tried teaches whoever's the school puts in front of him. So these military idiots come in there, and this little girl 
is just screwing up right and left. She's never had to do anything like this. And he slapped her right across the face <laughs> for almost Jeez. running into like a, like a telephone pole or something. Yelling at her to turn and then stop and then turn and then stop. And she didn't. He slapped her and then he grabbed the stick and grabbed the whip. I'm like, oh. Oh, that's how it happens. That's how it happens in the real world. Uh, All right. Thanks, Jake. Did you have any more on that? No, I'm good. Well, this goes into uh, the next story I found about kind of repurposing our existing aircraft. And they're doing tests on the F-15. And they're going to call it the EX, the F-15 EX, Echo X-Ray. They're testing it for added missile capabilities. So the F-15 EX Eagle II took another step toward being able to carry more missiles than any other U.S. Air Force fighter. Uh, It said this was a major step toward demonstrating the F-15 EX can carry its planned capacity of 12 air-to-air missiles. This will make the F-15EX able to carry more missiles than any other F-15, which have capacities of up to eight air-to-air missiles. Uh, currently, the F-16 can carry six. The F-22, when configured for air-to-air combat, can carry eight. And the F-35 can carry four internally, plus another two externally. So... My my question is, it's going to carry twelve. What does that do to the? I mean, F fifteen is still supposed to be a fighter, right? Now, granted, I don't know if we'll ever get into dogfighting again because the standoff capability of all our aircraft is so far miles. Yeah, but that's got and it. The E though, the E can carry like anything. Really, F fifteen E, you can load anything on that. Oh, I didn't know. Has it got souped up engines or something? No, the the F-15 is already pretty souped up, but they just modified it so it'll just overcarry everything. So on a a companion piece of this, and maybe we'll actually do this story because a guy traced all the like almost bought aircraft and what was proposed. Anyway, one of the things they proposed to the government was an F-15N for Navy. So in the 1970s, the Navy considered getting rid of the Tomcat in favor of the fly, of flying the F-15. So the F-15 wasn't originally designed to serve aboard aircraft carriers, but it was designed to dominate the skies, obviously. With the Navy set to begin purpose of Grumman's pricey F-14, uh, McDonnell Douglas entered a proposal for the F-15NC Eagle. And it wasn't a bad shot. The F-15A already had a tail hook. Intended for use on short airstrips, but a carrier fighter needs to rely on its hook for every landing, so a larger reinforced hook was added uh, to make it easier to stow. They made the wings fold, right? The landing gear was beefed up, uh, with and with all those changes incorporated, the F-15 only gained 3,000 pounds, which combined with better maneuverability, a higher top speed, and a much lower price, all made this new Sea Eagle sound like a pretty good deal, but apparently there was a glaring shortcoming. Uh, It couldn't carry, back then, America's latest and greatest air-to-air missile, the AIM-54 Phoenix. Mm. Which is interesting that now they're fitting it for 12 missiles, but back then it couldn't carry that 
big heavy one that the F-14 carried. And so they didn't go with it. They went with the F-14 instead. The pilot I work with says that as as the administrations change and the the kind of flip-flop Oh yeah, yeah. What it, yeah versus what it, he says it's it's basically aerodynamic Jenga. They're just trying to see what they can get out of it while they still got it, and they use the cost savings as the as the bottom line. You mean the F fifteen or any aircraft? F fifteen. Oh, okay. It would be interesting to see. I mean, I I, I know the F fifteen has been around for Jesus now. What well, has the it has the most stable production line of all the jets? Is that it, really? I mean, F-16 has been around a long time. A lot of people around the world buy it, but that's a pretty old production line and it's almost gone. And uh, F-15, they don't produce them, but the supply chain and the production line for all that stuff is still around. And it's the only one that's not super expensive, like the 2235 and stuff like that. Right. Okay. So our last story of the day, have fun with this one. The Air Force is changing the way it measures body fat for airmen and guardians, which is funny that they throw the Space Force guardians under an Air Force article. But (laughs) (laughs) this article is from taskandpurpose.com on uh, January 10th. So uh, airmen and guardians will soon participate in an annual waist-to-height ratio test meant to assess whether their level of abdominal fat puts them at risk for certain health conditions. Uh, The waist-to-height ratio is a heart of the new body composition program, the replacement for the abdominal circumference measurement, also known as the tape test, which I think it wasn't just the Air Force. I think it was across all forces was the tape test, right? It was belly and neck, right? So the waist-to-height ratio is calculated by dividing waist circumference by height. Okay. Uh, the waist is defined as, quote, the midpoint between the lowest rib and the top of the hip bone. Because I think uh, uh, the tape test was the top of the hip bone, right? Right. So now no, it's, just, it's the same tape test is right. You find the top of the hip bone and you go right above it. Okay. So like, it's yeah, like a place. finger or something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. You run right it's the place where there's no actual bone structure at, right? Well, this is even more core. This is even more nebulous. So the midpoint between the lowest rib and the top of the hip bone. So it says, which is normally the narrowest portion of the abdomen. Uh, The tests will be held every year around their birth month for airmen, every year around their birth quarter. For guardians of birth quarter. It just struck me as like the Space Force is that inept that it takes three months to get that that thing done but evidently um so i don't know that i guess i guess for guys that would help you out because they were saying that uh uh this will actually be a little more lenient in the long run um than the top of the hip bone basically uh women's got to be ace in this thing i would imagine right because aren't they most of their stuff is down their hips well, anything's yeah. got to be better than being taped because I was taped my entire career. Yeah. Anybody with any muscle on themselves at all? Yeah. You know, it, and it was it was all neck. It was height and neck. And I didn't have any height, so I had to have a big neck. <laughs> so yeah, you were going to the gym just to work out neck and shoulders. I was just 
Yeah, I was just doing <laughs> towel on the forehead, pulling forward, just get the neck yeah. bigger. <laughs> um, let's see. Airmen and Guardians who score a ratio of less than 0.55 meet the standard of low to moderate risk for related health issues, while Airmen and Guardians who score a ratio of more than 0.55 will not meet the standard and will be considered high risk for related health issues. Well, there's an epiphany. If you've got a fat butt, you're going to have ailments. Well, yeah, but it's not. It's they're going to they're going to focus on that number, right? They don't care if you're healthy or not healthy. They're like, oh, 0.55, That's the number. You're yeah. above 0.55. so you're going to die of diabetes, <laughs> right? Uh, Airmen and guardians who do not meet the standard will not be immediately kicked out of the military. Instead, they will be enrolled into an informal, self-directed, self-directed, self-directed 12-month body composition improvement program and referred to a medical treatment facility for evaluation and assessment for other risk factors. I know it it sounds bad. The military we have now. It sounds like they just increased the number of positions that the uh, fitness center needs to have. <laughs> it's, uh, it's still not that great. Like as far right. as I'm doing them, I'm looking at a quick chart. Oh, you got a chart of it? Well, I'm looking for the 0.55 BMI kind of thing. <laughs> but right now it's, or what it was, was basically 40 inches. And you fail for men, no matter what your height is, no matter what. 40 inch belly? Yeah. yeah. That's a big belly. If you can't even get in the you're light short. <laughs> I mean, if you're 6'2. Okay. Yeah. Right. That's not, I mean, my waist has been, waist pants have been 36. They were 36 for a long time. Now they have creeping, they're creeping a little. Yeah. But what are you? Are you six, six foot, six? I'm 6'2. Six okay. So. But yeah, you're right though. A 40 inch belly is pretty. It's still a. a Fortunately, good belly. most of the 40 inch bellies we saw were on guys five six to five eight. So yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so Space Force Guardians will also, if they if they exceed the point five five, they'll also be referred to Guardian Resilience Teams, which are made up of quote human performance subject matter experts. Yeah, tell me that's not a new GS position over at the uh, fitness center, right? And these subject matter experts can provide Space Force members with a range of physical and mental health care. Mental? (laughs) Where'd the mental part come from? I'm going to pop. I'm going to, I got to get some things out here. Eric, were you, you Air Force, Army? What, what did you do? I was Air Force, cop. Okay. So, so everybody here knows uh, AFIs, Air Force instructions. Well, those are gone. They're now DAFIs because Space Force is administratively underneath the Air Force. So they're called DAFIs. So you have DAFIs and then Space Force instructions are spiffies. So spiffies and DAFIs. And the spiffies, so I, I still teach, right? Those who can't teach. So I used to teach and, um, and, I taught a class um, of people going uh, out to weapons school uh, and um, I went in and taught a little gig, you know, a guest instructor there. And I went in and I was joking on one of the break. It's a pretty loose environment. Lots of smart people, uh, full class. And, uh, you know, somebody said something, you know, somebody screwed up something. And I said, oh, they got to put you down in forward leaning rest for that. 
because Ooh. you know I've been around. <laughs> and have you ever seen a f- like National Geographic, uh, Mutual of Omaha, where they show meerkats and then like something <laughs> happens and all the meerkats stand up and they all look in the same direction with their ears all perked up? Right. I had eight eight immediate lawyers oh. almost yelling at me. You can't do that. You can't put us on the You can't make us do. You can't. We don't have performance requirements. We don't have physical punishment. We don't have corporate. Wow. Co- you can't do that. Really? And you have to do it if we have to do it. And it, it, I mean, people were pulling out copies of the of the spiffy and their mood rings were turning on and they were alerting their therapists. <laughs> there was crying. So I, I don't know administratively what the what the instructions say. But the people that we're arguing with, have you ever seen The Incredibles? Yeah, sure. Where where Mr. Incredible gets put into the thing and shot out to the island. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they, yeah. they can't get through the tube and he has to crank up the power. And then, right. yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, that's what I had to. Yeah, I wouldn't have made it out of the room. They'd have, they'd have just wedged themselves in the door and I'd have been trapped. <laughs> <laughs> Front the mood rest. rings is a, Wow. The mood mood rings is a real thing. Like activity monitor that they're going to start using. Yeah, and it has mood mood uh, mood sleep, all kinds of other stuff. I can't wait for some kid that has an active sex life to get called in in front of the superintendent. You know, the space force didn't have first sergeants, so they you know in front of the soup to explain why. His mood ring is reporting that. Oh my God, you're right. He's, he's got some excessive activities alerts that have come through on the monthly commander's report. Well, let's recommend or, him for a, a vasectomy. Yeah. yeah. Or a senior NCO just defaults to cranky bastard. <laughs> Yours is broken. Nope. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's the one they calibrate everything else off of. Yep. The new test is one of many new efforts that the Air Force and Space Force are pursuing to make physical health assessments more tailored to individual service members. Are they not tailored to individual service members now? What would you like to do today? I think I would just like to do the uh, lay down and stretch. Uh, in 2021, the Air Force started rolling out a new fitness test that allows airmen to choose shuttle run sprints instead of a one and a half mile run, uh, hand release push ups instead of regular push ups. I don't know how that's a better choice than regular push ups. Oh, that sounds horrible. Yeah. Uh, and cross leg reverse crunches or planks rather than sit ups to show core strength. The Space Force may take fitness test reform a step further by ditching them entirely. Instead of an annual test, the branch hopes to teach. This is great. The branch hopes to teach guardians how to take care of themselves through better diet, sleeping, and fitness education while also monitoring the progress with wearable technology. Yeah. There you go. I opened my mouth a little bit. I, I wait a minute. I, I got to clear. No, that's that's <laughs> what they're pushing for, though. There, it's just there's no test. It's just an annual. How's your mood ring assess your now, physical activity as now? Yeah. 
get rid of all our old stuff and what we went through to get to where we were, right? And look at it this way. I'm kind of torn. On one hand, it's easy to go, how weak are we going to make this? But on the other hand, I'm like, well, maybe. Uh, I mean, I I give them credit. They they I think they fucked up their song, right? <laughs> the Space Force fucked up their song. However, they may be just like, fuck it, we're a new force. Let's do let's do it this way. And we're like, well, no, we can do whatever we want. <laughs> yeah, we can do whatever we want. We're the Space Force, goddammit. And you know that's a recruiting tool. Sure. Man, I mean, attention it also tool. sounds like that special forces TV program now. Special forces celebrities. Oh, you mean that the uh, that that where they have the celebrities going through yeah, the test? Doing the selection. It's special yeah. forces selection. Celebrities. Four have already quit. <laughs> like well, I I I do the uh, space force selection course. <laughs> and they're like, hey, 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 slow down. We don't run in the space force. Take it easy, buddy. So, so it's it's hard to make jokes because all the all the the depth of the shovel I can get into the dirt to to dig a hole. It's not. It's real. Like every time I make a joke about yeah. like a fit standard yeah. or a uniform standard, it's all gone. Oh, and it's yeah. We had the the boss come in and tell the class, you know, your feelings matter and your diversity matters and all that stuff. And this guy is a cold-blooded killer. I have a lot of respect for him. And the things he's saying, I'm like, I don't know who you talk to, but it's not me. I wonder what kind of <laughs> adverse effects this will have on squadron morale and individual morale. Right. Because um, some of the bonding that you did in, in our younger ranks was actually going out and doing those runs or doing the squadron yeah. games that's good right point. that's a yeah. good point it was all forced you know ultimate frisbee or you know tag yeah, football sure. or yeah. something like that but it was all together together yeah. you were all doing circuit training but those things they know they have an effect on morale so things like that things like standards they'll find that yeah. a lot of studies will find that if you clearly state the standards and hold people to the standards then actually morale will go up within that unit. If you have hard standards, right? Look at the tightest groups that we have out there have some of the most strict standards that we have. Rangers. Right. Yeah. All those. It's, it's, you know, the elite groups, but they're, they're held to a high, high standard. If you have no standards and you have no team activities and you just go to work, and go home and be fat or be out of shape or whatever you're going to do. You know, yeah. you could be fit as heck, but you don't do anything with anyone around you. I think they're going to have a significant drop in morale. And well, I'm going to go, I'm going to go devil's advocate. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now imagine in a few years when the cross, you know, whether they allow cross chaining or not, I don't know. But imagine it's just all people who started in Space Force, they're space babies, right? Yep. So the whole force is that way. And you know how adverse we are when we were in space, when they come out and they call you warriors, right? It was like, oh, come on, I'm not a warrior. This is no weapon system. This is, you know, yeah. I, you don't have to pump me up that way. 
Well, maybe I'm they have deployed a, in place. Right, deployed in place. I'm flying sorties by doing a satellite pass. You know, you don't have to throw those things to me. I'm in. I'm in. All right. I you got me. Um, bronze star but now you have a whole maybe you have a whole force that is like you know we don't need to be warriors we don't need to fake it anymore let's just call it what we are we are the chair force we just fly satellites we're very good at it you know there's a lot of mental stuff that goes into flying a satellite but there's no requirement for me to run you know to push us and so maybe they're going towards this this whole just soft force and they're just embracing it they're like fuck it that's what we are and in a way i, I kind so. of respect that actually but I, I highly doubt it because everybody is still talking about the tip of the spear we're warriors okay. too we're freaking this right. don't because you know I was hanging the deputy commander of delta three was in i can't remember his defense review or if it was task and purpose that quoted him and saying you know uh, we're so Delta three is the 50% deployed. I mean, they, they're of all space force. They're, they're all downrange. And he said that we are the tip of the spear, yeah. right? Oh, which, which maybe for the space force, they are. Yeah. The point of that comment is not whether they are or not. It's the fact that there was a complaint lodged the next day that it was a sexist comment. Oh, <laughs> what do you, Oh, <laughs> Oh, oh, man. <laughs> you know, some grenades you can hear them flying through the air before they explode <laughs> the voxel. Um, so, yeah. was it tip that set them off, or was it spear? I want to say it's a <laughs> it said tit of the spear. <laughs> it was tip misquoted. Of the, tip of the tit. Tit of the I spear. <laughs> no, that's not right. It's so disappointing. I know, I say. But but look at for for us veterans, the Space Force might be representative of some of the youth who want to join that. You know, it's the video game kind of society. It's uh yeah. uh you know, instead of hey, uh we're gonna play flag football, you know, uh Saturday. You guys in? Yeah, yeah, we're all in. Now it's I don't know. <laughs> We're going to play Dungeons Dragons. We're going to go, uh, you know, whatever it is. But I think those are the groups that are dominating now. I will throw, I'm throw fine with that, for- honestly, as long as they group up and they have some sort of morale. Some kind of bonding. Yeah. And it's so, not just individuals right, coming right. to work and hanging out. I agree. Jake's reading my mind. So I, I was going to mention that I'll throw the Space Force a bone here, that uh, the Army currently has formation via Zoom. Do they really? Uh, anytime it's cold, oh, raining, my goodness. hot. Oh. So I have, so for the record, three, so my wife is Army civilian. Three of my kids were enlisted in the Army. One of the kids yeah. is, is in the Air Force. The Army has, all of them have had formations over Zoom on their phone. As standing at attention, saluting for the, yeah, the whole, on the phone, holding your phone. Oh my god! That makes no sense to me. Wait, no, no, no. It's actual standing and doing a formation. It's not just you, everybody. So somebody has the, the screen with every member on there as yes. they're holding the phone on themselves. So you're oh. what it is is the platoon sergeant has the platoon, right? 
And so they do these staggered formations for the whole brigade. And they, they platoons, right, to the, to the company, companies, the brigade, brigades. So yeah, so that's, yeah. Wow. It takes like an hour. <laughs> that's the most absurd thing I've heard. That's just crazy. How many? So I'm just saying, we can, we can say Space Force all we want, but it's not. How, about, how many of these guys have just taken a picture of themselves at attention and put that screenshot on that Zoom? <laughs> You're like, I said at ease, Smith. Why are you still at attention? <laughs> I got both my hands up. <laughs> that sounds like a that sounds like a comedy TV series in the workings, right? Where we're going. What was the one? What's the movie where the dude actually they actually look like Air Force? Um, the guy from The Office. Oh, that's oh Space, Space Force. Force. Yeah. Oh yeah. I yeah. mean, John Malkovich. It, it's just come to fruition. You know, it's it's actual now. I'll I'll tell you, uh, Eric. There's a scene in there where there's some comet coming into the planet. They're in a command center, and the Asian guy's in the back on his computer, and he's doing all the calculation. And they're like, "What's what's the time to impact?" And they turn, everybody's staring at him, and he's in the back. He's like, "Fuck!" And the camera <laughs> zooms over, and it says, "Windows updates. Please do not turn off your computer." <laughs> <before."> <laughs> that happened to me in November. I was teaching a class for the Com Space Four, oh, the Commander Space Four, and I was I was just about to start, and the computer went updates. Please, you know, no Windows shit. update. Please do not for forty minutes. Oh, wow. I had a I had a British I had a British O six, uh, U.S. Navy O six, uh, two lieutenant colonels, a major, and a chief in there Holy for shit. forty minutes. We just we just bullshitted. I went and got sodas, and we just sat around because there was nothing to do. Not good. Nothing can stop the U.S. Air Force except your periodic update from Microsoft. So when I saw that, Eric, what you were saying about it coming to fruition, yeah, it 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 did it, it happened. Yeah, this whole this whole episode has been that. And these guys have that, or these people in charge have the impetus of we got to retain people, we got to recruit people. So what do we do that appeals? You know. Well, my last gig was at headquarters working the manpower working group for Space Force because uh, I was at headquarters when we turned over from Aft Space Air Force to Space Force. And, you know, it's the big problem was personnel, all these new capabilities, all these new things. And there was just no people. And so we were dealing with that. And that working group was almost every day for six months. And a lot of that, you know, in the, in the middle of, you know, actually, in the, I guess, are we on the tail end of COVID? But talking to the deputy S one for the air force. She said, yeah, the biggest problem we have is not technology. It's not money. It's not, you know, cybersecurity. It's not nukes. It's getting people yeah. to sign up in a volunteer. Factor, yeah. 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 They said that is the, that is the number one problem. Now there's, there's things that pop up hot spots every day. They get briefed, you know, national security stuff. But the one thing that has not gone away in five years and gets worse every day is that there's just not enough people coming in right. for four We've talked about that many, many times. Many times. Yeah. yeah. And all the all the things that these guys just seem like scrambling. I mean, like the army army had a story about where they're talking about giving a ribbon out for referring in basic for like referring people to join up. They're going to give you a ribbon. <laughs> True. True story. 
And I was like, how do you think that you think that's really going to motivate anybody? It gives you, you a, really think you're retired? <laughs> I, <laughs> look over your shoulder, buddy. They're coming. They're, come on back. I guess Stop it gives blocking. you some promotion points, but oh my God. Yeah. Jake, you still well, working out the buddies, the buddy system. Yeah. You yeah. Can, you can, en- you can enlist with a friend. Right. Right. And right. they guaranteed you at least that you were going to be in the ba- same basic training flight. Right. Yep. So, yeah, that, and that's still going strong. Yeah. Eric, you still working out? Do I still work out? Yeah. I do. Yeah, you, you better. They're coming <laughs> for you. <laughs> You're going back. Dude, I got, back so we were talking about the disability rating and how yeah. disabled you are. And if you're 100%, like one of my friend's kids made a joke. He just got his rating and he, they're like, you're 90% disabled. And his daughter, who is a delightful smart ass, was like, you mean to tell me you are literally 10% away from being Stephen Hawking? Basically. <laughs> and I was like, gosh, dang it, that's a good one. That's that is right really on. good. How old is she? But I'm like, oh, she's 20. Uh, that's she's brilliant. in college right now. Oh, that's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, she, it was delightful. Uh, wait till I use but, that at work. There's a couple but, of hit with it. <laughs> she's like, really? Give me a break. But it's like you're 90 percent, like 100 percent. I bet you they'll start looking at that to re re get, like reenlist people. So you, you're not eligible. There's I've been talking to my son about it. He wants to go back and talk about disability ratings. And I said, you know, there's there's that you can actually apply. To yeah. have a board, you know, review it and go back if you want to go back in. But I think what they're going to do is take the easy way out and just say, nah, we're going to raise the ceiling to 200%. And if you're less than 170%, you're coming back. <laughs> they would have to actually do the math like they normally, like real math. Yeah. Not VA math. <laughs> you, after, after your first tour, now make more than a 30-year vet. Because you're two hundred percent disabled. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're exactly. gonna pay you O three E, but the alternative is gonna be handcuffs. <laughs> okay, so let's bring that all into uh the story about where the Space Force is thinking about not having a fit test. It's just yeah. kind of how you feel and what your Apple Watch tells you. Uh that's the default. How many yeah. of those fat bastards are gonna get out at two hundred percent disabled? <laughs> like what happened to you? You were a hundred 160 pounds when you came in the Space Force. Your, your, your VA officer said, well, technically you're 100%, but God damn, look at you. <laughs> I'm not going to cut it. <laughs> you gained all that weight in the Space Force? And diabetes <laughs> and gout? Jesus, you're with the you get the you get the gout at your at your second reenlistment. Congrats. Got the gout ribbon. <laughs> well, you know, uh Space Force Diabetes device. The Space Force docs are gonna have a much easier With time. Device. They won't have to write any profiles. You know, profile I for mean, what? Yeah. No, they've delegated that down. You know how they're sending enlisted folks to weapons school? They're just they're gonna have uh, technicians make all the doctor calls now. They're just gonna be like, Well, uh, let me see what it says on WebMD. Oh, oh, right here it says you need a 
a splint. Oh, no, not a splint. You need a titanium splint drilled into your bone. Oh, that's a oh. stint. When he, when, when he whips out his Leatherman and uh, puts on his gloves. Maybe they'll yeah. develop uh, the magic eight ball for your ailment. For your do yeah, they? Do you think they still do Dinic or Dinif? Oh, yeah. duties not do. include crew. Yeah. Did you know that mood is now a valid reason Get not to f- go? So when I was teaching classes over at the compound over there, we had a girl. It was the first girl that ever failed my little two week oh. class test. You right, sexist ever. bastard. Right, I know. So, and this, <laughs> she didn't fail it. Like she missed too many questions. It looked like she took the paper in one hand and a pen in the other and got pushed down a flight of stairs. So it was bad. And so we took her in the other room and talked to her and like, you know, is there something going on? She was bawling. She was obviously having a horrible day. I don't know why it doesn't matter. And so, um, I don't know, a month or two later, we were, you know, talking to her, her, I guess her supervisor and like, yeah, she's just having a bad day and emotions and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and so they waived her from MQT. From all wow. of MQT, they 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 gave her a waiver from mission qualification training for her weapon system, if you want to call it that, right? Wow. And so, so to it. compare that for any, like for army personnel, right? That's saying if you were certified on a certain munition and you went to training for that munition and that weapons system, whatever, right? And you're like, I'm having a really crappy week. And they're like, okay, you know, you can still do this though. You can still shoot this. No, I need to get over and have a shot of my tequila. Right. What, Eric? Sorry. I said, I just want to go home and have a shot of my tequila. I can't launch. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. She, she still had to sit crew, right? Yeah. She still sat crew. So she still accomplished the job. But she didn't go through mission Correct. qualification training. Correct. She became an because instructor. she felt bad. So literally, Eric, that is literally saying, okay, your job is to shoot this M16 to this level of accuracy, to this level of proficiency, go through and clear this house. She says, well, I don't feel good. Or he, whatever, who cares? The person says, I don't feel good about this. They're like, okay, fine. You don't really have to shoot the gun or clear the rooms, but you still going to have to do it. It just doesn't make sense. Okay, cool. <laughs> they give you the position of being an instructor and oh you have paperwork that says you're qualified, but you never did a fucking thing. Yes. You are. You are correct, sir. <laughs> Dude, you know that, that right there though, if we had anybody in, in both of my career fields that couldn't accomplish the job for whatever reason, physically, mentally, couldn't pass their CDCs or their, you know, their career field qualification courses, couldn't do that. They got retrained or kicked out. Right. That's right. Right. There was literally thousands of people probably within the Air Force that were like, okay, guess what? No offense, Eric. Now you're a cop. <laughs> and now... And now you're not a good cop. You're just sitting in this truck in the middle of fucking Alaska in negative 40 degrees watching this red line. All your refugees, man. Thanks. Appreciate that. You're going to like this. 
it's either that or services like hand out towels in the gym. And I mean, <laughs> I'm not crapping on those guys. Those are all hey, valid jobs. But they knew that was the consequence. They also knew that was a consequence, right? Of not qualifying. Yeah. Right, right, right. So they knew that. So they would uh, take that energy to avoid that consequence. Oh, but, yeah. But now it's not. You know, it's just like, oh, okay, I get to go sit in the car. All right, that's fine. Yeah. The- hey, Eric, what did you do when you were in the service? It's the last thing you did job wise. I was an inspector with the Space Command IG team. Okay. Clearly, so, Marty, are you listening to this? He didn't listen to Eric's podcast. Okay. I want negative points <laughs> on, on Scott's invite back scorecard. I want that annotated. <laughs> so, no. right. But, um, all right. So, <laughs> Inspector General is going to, you're going to get this. This is going to go, doesn't matter what you did. You, you get it, right? Rules, regs, compliance, all that. Yep. Uh, I am developing a training program for the Space Force and for the space operators. And I said, all right, well, that's cool. Um, what are the sum total of the things that the government thinks that a space operator can do or is supposed to do, Right. In the old days, that was called the Career Field Education Training Plan, CFETP, and uh, it's uh, federal law, categories of labor, has to be described, all the things that if I need a person to do something, here's the thing that says what they're supposed to be able to do. And it drives and informs training activities on the things they're supposed to you know, fund and accomplish and all that. <laughs> and I asked for one from the Space Force, formally. And formally, they said, we don't have one. And I said, ah. Well, you know, you guys are new, you know, just let me know. No, we, we're not developing one. We have no plans <laughs> to do that. Perfect. Ever. <laughs> ever. <laughs> Perfect. That's, yeah, yeah, that's what, she, that's what she said. She said ever. But, I, said, so, what, oh God. I, so, I said, so what is it that, how do you know what the difference between, and I said it, I said between a cop and a space operator. She goes, well, that's stupid. A cop, you know, security and does the gate guards, you know, and, and uses weapons and space operators operate space systems. I said, oh, I just, if you could just write that on a napkin and give it to me. It'll be. <laughs> and she's like, ah, ah, you almost got me. Almost maybe a standard that would be enforceable. <laughs> yeah, there's none. Zero. Nobody wants that. I actually got it in writing to the contrary. They said, officially, there is no standard. There will not be a standard. We're going to do something called competency bins. Bins? Competency bins. Bins of competencies. Competency? Bins? B-I-N-S? Bins? Correct. Yes. Holy shit. On that note, I think we'll bring this episode to a close. So on behalf of all of us here, I'd like to thank you for listening today. Please like, share, subscribe, and let us know how we did in the comments. And as always, make sure to download the next episode for more service headline news. We still got to get that all together. That would be wonderful. Hey, Jake. Yeah, man. How familiar are you with the uh, systems, electrical or avionics on a... uh, a 10. Not very. Most aircraft have something called a squat switch where it'll disable certain functions. There's a switch on the on the gear, usually on the nose gear. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it'll 
like yep. it turns things off. Marty yep. has a squat switch for this conversation. He knows when we've hit the bottom, it goes ripping and it just shuts him off. He's like, I get, I got to get to the outro. I got to get to the outro. If I count, to, if I count to four in the dead air, then it's like, well, let's go. We're, uh, I think we should actually call it the squat switch. He's still going to blame us. But he's the one that said jerking off. That is true. But he's going to blame us for that. Thanks for sitting yeah. in with us, Scott. And gentlemen, I'll see you next week. Good talk, well, Scott. Thank you. Thank you. All right, buddy. We'll catch you guys later. Have a good one, guys. Thanks, guys.